0: 9 eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, 1 We have looked off. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to Hawksock. It has been a bit of a hiatus since our last episode together but here we are uh i'd say we've never been chipper but that would be a lie we we lost since we last talked tony and i we we lost we lost a few games uh, we w- we went down to florida lost two tough ones to georgia then another tough one to south florida went home i'd say we kind of stole one from penn who seemed like they played better the entire game. Uh, just sort of lost the game at the free-fill line. Then we lost to Barley Dickinson and Temple. Farley Dickinson by 17. Brutal loss to one of the the, the lower-ranked teams in the nation. And then Temple. And somehow pulled out a win against a team that has a better Saint name than us, potentially. Arguably. I mean, I like to say that. But, Tony, how are you doing uh, after after this Hiatus that we've been going like I don't know it's been so long. How are you How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Uh, not to get too theological, but I don't know if we can go against Silent Saint Joseph, especially in this time of Christmas. This is his holiday, and I understand the Papist you are. You like Saint Peter, but um, and your name is Peter, of course. Both, <laughs> but um, it's good. It's been a while, and I've missed the show. And I I think fans will notice the fact that our content and my content as well um, with both the show and with a 10 talk has been down and that's because life's kind of getting back to normal, Pete, you know, we're going like, I have to go to the office every day. You're going to school now. So hopefully we'll ramp it up a little bit better. Um, especially as I'm actually going back to Philly for three weeks uh, for the end of December. So I'm going to be at the games, it's going to be a little bit more different. I'm definitely getting a press pass for these games coming up. So I'm excited to see the Hawks in person. I've missed going to those. I've missed being at Hagen. It's fun when you're there and you've gotten to see them play this year. And I haven't. So um, team has seen better. I want to get there so I can ask the hard questions, Uh, but we'll have to see when that comes up for us.
0: Yeah. they'll Let me even in the building (laughs) with, with what we say tonight, Tony, I I don't know if they'll let us in. They're going to deny us three times. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's going to be bad. Um, and that's the thing. It's And we'll go into it. And I I talked to you about this before we started the recording, but got a little bit of a monologue and maybe I'll jump into it now while, while you're here. It's going to be no more than five to 10 minutes. But, you know, with the state of where the program is in, it is quite concerning, right? And this, the issue I've always had with modern basketball journalism, going from college uh, to guys like John Rothstein, NBA, Etc., is that no one is willing to criticize because they are unwilling to give up the sources that they have. They. It's one of the reasons why I started writing at 810 Talk. And one of the things that I was very vocal about when I was on Radio 1851, St. Joe's School Radio, uh, was the fact that a lot of NBA, college basketball, etc., writers, local writers like the Philadelphia Inquirer, are afraid to criticize the people who are in power because they're afraid their access is going to be restricted. I understand that. I get it. It's kind of human nature and I'm not saying that I'm above it. I'm sure if I had more connections I'd be a little bit more scared to speak up into some to some degree and I'm not prideful enough to hide that away like that is the truth. I'm sure that if I had Billy Lang's phone number and he was telling me inside secrets, I would not want to risk giving that up. The great thing is I don't have those kind of in, those kind of inside connections. I am just a humble man on a webcam with a friend. And we record at this point monthly, but hopefully weekly. But the reason why I bring this all up is because when I was on Radio 1851 and kind of bringing everyone back, the listeners back in a viewpoint um, stance, When I was on Radio 1851, I would call for Phil Martelli's job weekly. On every episode, Thursdays, four to six, call for Phil Martelli's job. Um, We would talk about NBA basketball, and then we would talk about St. Joe's basketball. And I would say how the offense was stale, which it was. Uh, The team hadn't won in three or four years. That's a fact. And I was getting frustrated as a student because we had seen, and Pete and I are in the same age, uh, same grade. We had seen the success of this team. We had seen the pinnacle of what the program will ever be. Three wins in the NCAA tournament. I'm sorry to burst people's bubble, but we're not winning an NCAA championship. It's it's probably never going to happen. But I think it's reasonable for fans of St. Joe's basketball to want two wins in the NCAA tournament, to push an Oregon, a one seat at the time to the brink. And we did that and we had the talent and just like in 2004, just like in 2000, well, 2012 is a little different because we did follow up with the 2015, 14, 15 season was the fact that success came in waves and we didn't build upon it. We never built on it. And that's what always frustrated me about the Martelli era. We'd had success. Guys would leave, totally get it, but we said no to one and duns. never brought them in. Cal Perry started doing it. We never really bounced back. Charlie Brown would be hurt all the time. Kimball would be hurt all the time. And it's not their fault. But it was frustrating for fans at that moment. And the reason why I mention all this is because when I was saying this on Radio 1851, no one would criticize Martelli. Martelli had a show, uh, literally would be on every Friday with Cataldi on 94WIP. When Martelli was fired, literally everyone at the Inquirer wrote a a fluff piece about the guy. And then literally Cataldi had him on. Oh, this is such a, a major breaking thing. I feel so bad for you. And the only media person I remember who had any criticism and who actually stood up was, was uh, Mike Missinelli. Mike Missinelli, a 97.5 a fanatic, I remember it to this day, went on the show and literally said the team isn't performing and the school made a choice that they have to make. He was the only guy who had said anything and no one even mentioned it. All of the Twitter fiends and everything were tweeting about it, blah, 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 not giving credence to the fact that the team had been struggling at that time, had not been improving, and no one had done anything. And then I started writing for A-10 Talk because of that, because no one was saying anything. No one was being critical of the regime at the time. And I thought, well, at least this website who has some traction is going to allow me to write for them. They understand that my thoughts are kind of unique on the process. And I was okay with Coach Lang at that time. We had to make a change. The guy who was coming in was going to have a hard road ahead. And there was no guaranteed success. But I was willing to risk it because I knew the team had become stale. And I didn't realize at the time, and maybe this is my mea culpa, is the fact that I didn't realize that the transfer portal would be so fluid and the school just let everyone go. And all that tacit knowledge, all that, all that winning and everything that had been built up in the culture walked out the door. And that really screwed us. And it screwed us. It has been screwing us ever since. This brings us to the situation we're at now where the tacit knowledge has been removed from the room where these players who look like half the time, they don't care. They look like they don't care. Now, against a team like St. Peter's, they used their superior athleticism. They look like they played better against these guys. Great. Fine. But the fact that we were even waiting after the second or the first half in order to get that kind of effort out of them is concerning. Pete, how many times this year have we gone into halftime or even last year or the year before that? Do we go into a halftime game and we make no adjustments or we come to a game against an inferior opponent and it looks like. We have not watched a single minute of tape. Would you say it would be a lot?
0: Yeah, I, I'd say probably a scary amount. That's what I would say.
1: That's on the coaching. That is a hundred percent on the coaching. The turnovers, I texted you this stat. We were one of the top teams in the Atlantic 10 in preserving ball control, not turning the ball over, making smart decisions. We have been the bottom of the A-10 during the entire Billy Lang era in ball control, in decision-making, and that is 100% on the coach, on the ability for this team to prepare for games, to make sure that they are ready and able to take on whatever the opponent throws at them. And we continually turn the ball over. We continually show no aggression on defense. And that simple stat alone shows that while I was not a fan of Martelli at the end of his career, I have to give the man credence He did coach up the team that even when they were 500 in that 2017-2018 season, we were still the most secure ball handling team in the conference. We took care of the ball. We knew what we were doing. And that while we had injuries and we had talent, um, we were lacking in talent, that is. We still prepared to the best of our ability, and we got the most out of our players. And I can't say that about the Coach Lang era. The turnovers, the lack of offensive identity, the inability to defend, and it takes us a St. Peter's second half to really turn on anything. The inability to change the starting roster throughout all of this last four years where we're constantly doing something different. We never have an identity. We're just throwing pieces at the wall. And it's never even like it's the pieces that make sense or the pieces that lead to winning. It's like always like we're coming up with a scheme. It's always like this kitschy scheme that we're trying to put out on the court to catch teams off guard, but it never works. And the thing is and like to wrap it all up, to wrap up all my thoughts is the simple fact that, you know, when we say like, this is bad, this isn't like some troll or some like flippant demand after a few bad games, after last year, around the January timeframe, after a couple of bad losses, one of them to LaSalle, I had totally lost confidence in this team, but I never wrote about it. Never actually published anything about it because I didn't think it was going to do anything constructive because we're in the middle of the season. I'm speaking up now because we had a whole off season. We had a bunch of transfers come in and they have continued to still not improve. And we're going to talk about what, um, Matt Gifford had said, and we'll go back and forth a little bit on that later in the show, because he has a different take on this, because it's a younger team. But personally, we've continued to have turnover. Yes, it's a young team, but in college basketball, you're always going to have young players. You only get to be there for four years, and they're always going to be the same age group. It's this inability for the coach to get the team prepared, to bring in the right pieces, and to put them on the court at the same time every game. That is frustrating. And just like last year, we were off to a better start for our non-conference schedule. We had won more games. We had beaten Temple. And then we went into conference play and played poorly. What happens if we continue like this and then go into conference play and then play poorly there? It's not going to look good. So I guess the simple, and to wrap it up, the final point is, it's time to hold Coach Lang up, uh, accountable. We're going to say it on the show a lot more. We're going to be a lot more vocal about it because I had patience to start but that has clearly worn out on my end, and I continue to get frustrated, and I continue to see the same thing over and over again, and I don't see improvement, and it's time. It is time to say, this is it. This is the final year. Jill may have to fire Billy because it has to protect her job, or Billy and Jill may go together. Who knows? We don't have a president either, which is another problem with the school. We're all of a sudden, we're at the same level as Sal was two years ago when they didn't have a president. We need to figure out what our identity is, not only as a basketball program, but as a school. We need to execute on it. And if we're not winning, just because, just like in my job, if I had four years of not hitting my quota as a sales rep, (laughs) I would be fired. I would have been fired after one year. So why is it fair that Billy gets four? And I understand, oh, you're calling for some guy's job. Not ready to call for his job, but it's time to start considering it. Oh, he's got a, I understand he's got a family. hundred percent understand that. But if I performed at the 20% win rate that we have, I would have been fired from my own job and my employer would not care about the empathetic thoughts of how that goes down. So I think it's reasonable and charitable for us to give this guy four years and now start to not start to hold him accountable because there are people out there who've been holding him accountable from day one and they've been right about it and I have been wrong. But now it is time that we must be unapologetic about it and we need to be brutally honest because Four more years of losing and everyone goes, oh, who are we going to hire? Who are we going to bring in? I don't know. That was the same question we had when we fired Martelli. Who are we going to hire? Who are we going to bring in? It's a risk. And just like when I called for Martelli's job, I'm willing to take a new risk because 20% now is worse than the 50 that I thought was unacceptable. How can I be fair to Coach Martelli and say that 500% win rate is not okay for the school when this guy's got four years of 20% and hasn't turned it, has not turned it around just like Martelli had done when he started out. He was below 500 for two years and turned it around. This guy's had four and he hasn't. What are your thoughts, Pete?
0: So I want to just let the the fans know where, where this is going a little bit, just, just so that they know like the, the flow of things. I won't have a monologue, but I will respond briefly I, I feel this viscerally. I feel all of the emotions that we're going through right now, and uh, all of it is just—it is just—it pounds you over and over again. And like, how how did the program go from the 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 top of not the top of college basketball, but. To the point where we could compete every year for to, to potentially make the NCAA tournament, and to, to Tony's point, how how have we gotten to the point where we we can't hold a coach accountable for for what he's doing, and the 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 administration can't make decisions that will that change the course of the program when you lose to a team uh, like Farley Dickinson by seventeen? That to me is just. It, it is it's really upsetting um now i want to i want to change a little bit of direction by just saying so just trying to think about like solutions because billy lang as as much as I, I i agree with tony like we need to start thinking about like what what how can we hold him accountable and like the people who have held him accountable those people were right but what i want to think about is our recent our recent games and I, I i want i want to think about farley dickinson for just a second farley dickinson is the so there's there's 362 teams in college basketball they are the sixth least experienced team in college basketball they have the the least nearly the, the least amount of experience in college basketball and on top of that this is their coach's first year and we lost to them by seventeen points. Seventeen points. We got embarrassed. They scored ninety-seven points on us. Houston only scored—I I don't even know what it was. It doesn't matter. They scored more than Houston did against us. That in itself—that in itself—is just something that, like, would ruin a, a season for for someone like Martelli. And I, I feel like for Lang, it's just sort of been like, well. You know, this is, this is the point that St. Joe's basketball is at. So this is, this is it. Like it's, it's almost, it's, it's too expected for, for me to be comfortable with. Like, I just don't understand how it it is. It's so expected that that is the result. And then I will have one more point and I'll let it go back to Tony. So we have this guy on our, our team, uh, his name's Rashir Fleming and in the Farley. Dickinson, Never heard game. of him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you wouldn't really know him because he, he plays so little, but in the Farley Dickinson game, uh, let, let's go, let's go back and see how much he played. So I had this up in just a moment ago. So he played 15 minutes in the Farley Dickinson game, seven points, uh, one turnover and a team that turned over the ball 17 times. Um, and for, for anyone who's, just turned on a basketball game or stepped into Hagen Arena or watched him play in person, they just know this kid impacts the game in ways that transcend basketball and don't allow you, basically, to lose to a team like Farley Dickinson by 17. And I will say this. He... I I won't say that he would have made us win, but he would have allowed us the chance to at least compete in that game. Um, Tony, I want to hear from you. I want to hear your thoughts about
1: yeah. all of this, man. Let, let's stick on that game. Yeah. Let's stick on that game. Um, first of all, it goes back to the point that I was mentioning in in the start where you as a team have to make the right decisions. And when you make poor decisions, you allow a team with inferior talent to come in and beat you. And it's not even like it's a team that has this well-established identity. They've got a new coach. The, the old coach left and has the seat. In, doesn't he have the seat? I believe he has a seat in hall job. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, but it's like you, you don't have a scheme. You have new players on the court. And when, I, when we were playing against St. Peter's, I thought, oh, my gosh. like This St. Peter's team. We dismantled St. Peter's in the second half when we actually cared. They beat Fairleigh Dickinson by like 10 points. When they played them. And so when I see all that, I just go like, it's it's coming down to like, do we care or not? You can tell by the way they carry themselves on the court. You can tell by the way that they act. They flipped the switch on St. Peter's and they were a defensive machine. Now, to your point about Fleming. We're not going to be able to play him for it. And I wrote this in our pre-write-up. How do we play Fleming forty minutes? Like we need to play him forty minutes. I do not doubt it. The problem is he does have injury issues, right? So we do have to be careful. We have to be prudent in our decision making with where we put him. But boy, I'm pushing the limit. If I'm Coach Lang, my job's on the line. Getting paid five hundred thousand dollars a year, or whatever I, I forget what the exact number is, but you can look it up in the the actual records of the of the school because they have to publish it. He's making good money, you know. Um, I'm finding a way to play that boy as much as possible. That's a I'm not even a boy. I'm playing that. He's a grown man out there because he's by far the best player on the team. He makes the best decisions. He has the most basketball awareness. He has the great physical attributes. He's a defensive machine, and he shoots threes. I watched the second half of the St. Peter's game. My gosh, the guy just drains the shot like there's no problem from the three when no one's in front of him. He has, and Lenardi and Martucci could not stop. Talking about the guy, they were literally going off on. He reminds me of this guy and this player and all these things, and it's like, fellas, yeah, he does. Like he's that good, and we're playing him fifteen minutes against a fairly Dickinson team that we, we don't give a sh- like a crap about. I had to censor myself there a little bit. Don't want to swear. It's a family show, but it's bad. That fairly Dickinson loss was bad, and we had every right to call for Coach Lang's job that moment that it happened. I don't care that we got a rest of the season to play. That was bad. And after four years of it, I'm tired.
0: Yeah. And then, and then on top of that, we we, like the, the Farley Dickinson game was, it was so, so bad. Like first off the first half. Okay. The the first half I I was like, all right, Farley Dickinson, they're ahead. It's going to happen. Right. Right. Sometimes you get off to a slow start. We're young. I was finding the excuses, but but then it, it it was you know five minutes into the second half, and I, I'm looking at the scoreboard and I'm like things aren't changing, um and then Rashir gets sub, sub, subbed out of the game, and then things just go off the rails, just off the rails, which after losing two in Florida, I just didn't foresee happening against a team like Farley Dickinson. Like, how does that happen? And going back a little bit to Rashir, like, like you said, if, if I'm B- Billy lying, he must not, he must not be playing for a job or else he's stupid. Because like you said, I am playing Rashir until like, he's like, coach, I literally, like, I can't walk. Yeah. I, I just don't understand. I So, Rashir. if we look look a little you don't even have to look. But if if you if you're an idiot like me and you want to look because you're you're just so certain that he's ama- an amazing player. So, he has an offensive rating of it's it's like fourth in the nation. He obviously he doesn't play enough minutes to be considered in the the rankings of offensive rating, but he's a he's ahead of Hunter Dickinson, like he is he just gets it done. You don't. You don't. You don't get players like Rashir Fleming at St. Joe's. And what I'm worried about is that he doesn't seem so injured. You don't just. You don't play the way that Rashir plays, injured. And if he is injured, okay, fine. Like that'd be nice to know about. But I'm concerned at this point, honestly, Tony. If I'm being completely honest, I've said this before. I. I am concerned that Rashear Fleming could get scooped by a high major program because oh, it's going to happen. It's just, and that, that is the most daunting thing to me because he's better than anyone we're bringing in. He's, he's better than any player on this team right now. And you, We
1: got to give Pete credit. You were like way on this before anyone else. <laughs> like you like play the tape, look at the tweets from the summer. Like you were high on Rashier from the get go.
0: You knew who you were talking about. He just he has this you but as soon as you watch him you understand why right it's like, tangible
1: it's, it's literally magic
0: it is it is magic you it,
1: it it's the magic.
0: it is the magic <laughs> he he is the magic. he makes me want to live the greater i watch i watch him play and he against Houston he he was at the top of the one three one or whatever that 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 zone is that Billy plays that we sort of press I think it's one three one he's at the top of that zone and he had Houston players looking scared because of his length and his physicality the
1: turnovers alone that he was generating tipping balls, making sure that like interrupt, inter- interrupting passing lanes alone in that game, the energy of the team in that Houston game was unbelievable when he was on the court. And then he, the minute he stepped off, all of a sudden our eight five point margin went away after we had climbed back. Like it, We were dominating the second half of that game. We were gonna close it.
0: Yeah, they they literally scored it. I was I was with my brother-in-law and he was like, Houston, they they haven't scored this half. Like they scored four points after like annihilating us the entire game. It it doesn't take much to see what Rashir does. And everyone's talking about it. Everyone is talking about the solution is Rashir. Like
1: (laughs) we gotta make (laughs) t-shirts. The solution.
0: He, he is, like, we don't have to trust the process. He he is the he's process. The solution. He's the solution.
1: Right. He's not the answer because that's AI. Yeah, yeah. That's, he's that's the AI. solution.
0: Respect to AI. He is the solution. Um, Jeez, man. It was bad. It was bad. It's
1: And we've got to air our gr- – Festivus is coming up. We have to air our grievances. <laughs> and the feats of strength are coming up soon when we play Villanova. But, um, yeah, it was not good. Not so
0: ap- apparently we lost to uh, like Farley Dickinson in the past. Like this isn't our first time <laughs> it's losing, a curse. losing the Christmas
1: Paris. curse against Farley Dickinson. <laughs> yeah. Charles Dickinson's a Christmas Carol. It's a it's a Farley Dickinson Carol.
0: Our first matchup was back in 2014, November 2014. We lost 58 to 57. And that's
1: it- I, that's okay compared to what we just endured. <laughs>
0: But that was a team. We uh, said by 20. Oh, geez, Lynn. I don't know. That team had Langston Galloway, DeAndre Bembry, Ronald Roberts. Uh, and Roberts no.
1: is who the one Roberts is the one they're comparing Rashir to. Yeah. You know, that's what uh, Martucci and uh oh, why am I blanking?
0: Uh like, Lenardi.
1: Lenardi are comparing him to, which I mean I kind of get it, but
0: I don't want to say it, but I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm thinking it. He's be, he's better. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's like
1: <laughs> let's not compare Rasheed to that. He's better than that.
0: And he, like Ronald Roberts, he had like a professional career. Like he was a good player.
1: Yeah, hundred um, percent. But he's no Markel Lodge. Markel Lodge.
0: That's <laughs> he Markel Lodge is the arguably the best. The best jumper I've I've ever seen. The best
1: pre-game <laughs> game jumper. My man ran the layup lines like it was no one's business. Windmill jams all day long in the layup lines. You thought, oh my gosh, it's going to happen in the middle of the game. Never happened. Never saw the court to do a windmill <laughs> jam.
0: He's almost like the opposite for sure. In a sad way. In a sad way. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so much potential literally had the size of lebron james literally <laughs> six eight jump out jump out of the building
0: like windmill my...
1: jams
0: who and... is this guy
1: <laughs> i remember freshman year you know, oh, sheesh, this guy
0: is huge yeah it's like <laughs> oh we're we're set like, Built like <laughs> a house yeah uh finally have... do we know <laughs> Uh, little, little do we know. If you told me that we'd lose to Farley Dickinson by seventeen this year, I would have just. Uh,
1: I would have been like, "Why didn't we play Lodge more minutes?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, Tony, he hasn't been on the team in years. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. think. I don't think I've I've I uh, I said this to Tony before the show. There's never been a point, yeah, in Billy Lang's career that people have wanted him fired more than now. I would say so
1: that's saying a lot
0: yeah yeah that's saying a lot lot. like we've been pretty (laughs) things have been pretty rough but let me ask you this let me ask you this and i need an honest genuine answer and you got to give it to me yep you got to give it fast all right so okay so we play villanova on saturday if we win do you for is all forgiven no uh, yeah. Fair no, enough.
1: Fair enough. <laughs> not as all forgiven. That is not good enough. He win. He goes to the final round of the A10 tournament. I'll give you the grace, but a win against Villanova with a with a coach who, like, I mean, they've struggled a little bit with the change, which is totally understandable. <laughs> um, no, not not good enough. Not good enough. You need to win the Big Five, and you need to like make a run in the tournament. For me to be confident that you're gonna be the future solution, <laughs> excuse me,
0: no, I, which I don't I, think he is. I, I don't think for for me all wouldn't be forgiven, but it would make everything so much better. Like I, this, is oh, week, yeah. Yeah, this is a week, yeah, this is a weak year for Villanova, and of all the years that something could happen, I don't even want to say anything. Actually, never mind.
1: But Pete, think of it never like mind. this: think of it like this. We had four years to gear up for this situation. Mm-hmm. Villanova has removed their like their famous coach has left and we've had four years to build up a recruiting, get ready and put the players in and we've played them three times. We've played them close to one year. We've had good times. We've had games that we've beaten um, decent opponents at. Like We should be building towards this. It's been four years and we're ready to go and we're going to pounce when Villanova takes a step back and we look like crap. I think that's what pisses me off the most. We've wasted all this time and when we did move away um we should have been trying to get better and we have it and now the time has come when villanova's weak and the big 5 can resurge as a competitive league even though college basketball itself may be dead <laughs> at this rate because it's just so ugly with how these guys just like transfer around and whatever blah 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 that's a different story but the truth is like this was our time to pounce and to dominate the the big 5 and we beat Temple last year. We beat Penn last year. Did we beat Penn last year? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. barely we barely beat them. We, yeah. we handled Temple. But then we lost to LaSalle that year. Like so many – and you tweeted this out. So many three steps forward, like eight steps backwards in this whole journey. And we should be in the prime spot to take over something like the Big Five, something like the A-10, who isn't that good this year. The A-10 is down this year. And here we are in last place again. You know, we're a last place team, so – so that's my answer
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and it's 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 ridiculous we 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 have no way of like i i can't see a, a path forward this season for us but at the same time i can see a path forward next season if if some things change i i really need to see us at or above 500 this year and that the, like if, if i'm looking at the st. peters game i i can't be happy about that outcome even like okay i'm happy about the outcome of course the, the it was nice to win but the first half like st. peters again that should have been a statement win in the first half like the fast the, the fact that we had such a slow start to the first half of that st. peters game drove me nuts we just lost to farley dickinson and temple who had Isaiah Battle, and who, who looks awesome, and like Temple's like the weirdest one of the weirdest teams in college basketball. Like, they're actually decent, but they also are like their classic Temple where you're just not really sure. But St. Peter's, like, they they lost to Hartford, they they lost to Mount St. Mary's, they lost to Fairfield, they lost to Seton Hall, they lost, lost to St. Francis, New York, right? They they lost to St. Mary's and Fairfield. Matt Matt Gifford wrote about this they lost to both of them by combined 22 points so it's not like it's nothing to tip your hats on like we just got the job done basically so this is like this is like a very neutral thing for us to beat St. Peter's but I like we've gotten to so much obscurity that I walked away and I was slightly happy because that's how bad things are
1: yeah yeah. Now, let, Pete, let me give you this. Um, and we're going to cover a little bit more of the other games, if you don't mind. Like, Let's let's pivot. We've kind of talked about St. Peter's. Let's talk about Temple as well with this. And I'm not trying to make it choppy, so we'll kind of just incorporate it into this theme of the show. Um, but can I give you the Hawk Hill Hardwood, Matt Gifford response to maybe what he would say to all this? Like we're kind of, to be fair to the viewers, like we are a little bit more of like the fall, the sky's falling. OK, like we're chicken little. That's fine. Um, but we've held off like really, Pete, we have held off. You wrote a whole piece last year defending Billy Lang. Like we have been, I don't want to say loyal foot soldiers, but we have been pretty fair to the current regime. And they just and to be honest to everyone, like, we don't really get invited to things like we don't we got invited to one closed practice, right? Didn't we get invited to one
0: the, the day before the, the night The be- day
1: before they emailed us?
0: Like, thanks, guys. <laughs>
1: Which, I mean, look, I really don't care. I'm just saying, like, I'm just being transparent with our viewers of, like, our status. Like, they know who we are, but I wouldn't say that we're in their pocket. Um, and if this episode meant that we never get invited again, I, re- I really wouldn't care that much. Um, so just laying that all out there. But let's go to a take that, from Matt Gifford, Hawkel Hardwood, 24-7 Sports, friend of the show, very good friend of the show. Um, and he kind of takes a, a step in a different direction. And I I want to give credence to that viewpoint. Mm-hmm. So Pete, if you don't mind, I'm going to read it out. Of course. Okay. So this is from Matt. As of uh, today, he rewatched the game. Six of the nine Hawks that got on the floor yesterday against St. Peter's were underclassmen, underclassmen that played 141 slash 200 game minutes. So they played 141 out of the 200 potential minutes. Underclassmen scored 53 of St. Joe's 73 points. Winborn and Fleming are freshmen. Greer and Klaschek have played less than a year of college ball. And Reynolds is a sophomore. The lows of this year have been low. Trust me. I get, not, I get to not only watch, but often re-watch and write about these games. It is at least mentioning just how young the team is. And next year, bringing in Christian Essendoko, uh, sorry, Christ Essendoko, uh, Xavier Brown, Sean Simmons, and Anthony Finkley. If this team isn't better in February than it is now, that's a big time problem. But with a team this young, I think it's what you're looking for uh, is the steady improvement and not an overnight success. So I think what Matt's saying here is they're freshmen. And this is kind of a take I had two years ago, but I'm like so disillusioned to the fact that this was something that we considered two years ago that we would make this jump from 250 to five hundred to 750. Now we're like, oh, incremental improvement all over again. I feel like we're always talking about incremental improvement. That's my viewpoint, but Matt's viewpoint is, um if we do improve, if we do go into the a template and start beating, you know, for every three every three teams we play, we beat two of them to him, To me, that would be considered incremental improvement, especially over last year. Um, But I think that is the other viewpoint you can have on this team that is reasonable. I don't totally agree with it, but give credence to the thought that rookies are still leading the team in some regard, even though they can all improve and then leave next year because that's the landscape of college basketball.
0: Yeah, so... I, I totally hear what Matt Matt's saying. And I, I think in my day-to-day this that what he says is what I, I tell myself because, like, I I want to be – I very much so appreciate the idea of just being a good fan. And until – for me, until Billy Lang is no longer the coach of St. Joseph's University, he's my guy because that's just what I feel like is the best path forward as a fan – and I think our fan base needs to see a little bit more of this. And I appreciate that. What is really just really trying as a fan at the same time is that there's, there's, so I'm, I'm looking at Ken Palm right now, there's six more games that we're projected to win for the rest of the season. And we've only won one, we've only won four games against. Three three of the four games were against incredibly terrible teams. Like they're not good teams.
1: Nope.
0: So I I I see what Matt's saying and I, I really appreciate that. I just think same time it's pretty hard. Um I'll say this though. When I the glimpses of when it's good are are really exciting. And to Matt's credit, like I, I really appreciate him for being an optimist because I think it's it's really nice when you do think about like, wow, like if you, if they can figure the defense out where it's a one three one and you have someone like Brashear who can really impact things and then Eric Reynolds who's top fifty in the nation in scoring right now and you know if Christian Winborn can put things together and then you have Creese to Isandoko and some really good recruits coming in maybe things could be get pretty exciting. Um, we barely knew what for was about. What are these other guys about? And I think like at the end of the day, like if you look back at the the records of different programs in, in college basketball and, and in the A 10, particularly you don't really care what their, their records were in an off year. You don't look and you're, you're like, Oh, they, they lost most. Uh, you, you look back and you say, Oh, they're below average or maybe they're above average. So that gives me some, some perspective where it's like, all right, this is just another off year. We know it's coming. We know we have really nice things lined up. Now let's see if we can actually play basketball the right way. Let's see if we can limit turnovers. Let's see if we can learn how to have a defensive identity on a consistent basis. Basketball is a full four 40 minutes of basket. It's, it's a 40 minute game. You you can't just play anything less than that. College basketball, the players are too good. The Talent is too good. Kids want it too much. No one's doing this for just just for the for fun. Kids are coming out to compete, and and as soon as we can start to like play the game the right way, that's that's what I'm looking for this year. I think one. One player who plays the game the right way, by the way, might not have heard of him. doesn't play much. Rashir Fleming.
1: Never heard of him. <laughs> who?
0: <laughs> You're just gonna I, I, we're just going to keep beating. That's going to be the joke all
1: year long. You'll be like, Rasheer Fleming scored 20 points, and I'm going to respond, who's Rashir Fleming? <laughs> the guy plays like two minutes. Um, that's funny.
0: Six turnovers in 105 minutes played a team that averages like an ungu- like a, a crazy amount of turnovers,
1: yeah. And like I wrote this in the preview for St. Peter's, it's like, "Hey guys, Tony here, a ten talk. This team fouls a lot. <laughs> Please get to foul line. <laughs> like, do not shoot three point shots." Um, and they kind of did do that, but it was just like, I, I hope I'm not the only one re- recognizing that this is the <laughs> like this is a fact, like brand new team brand new coach they barely know each other they foul the ball a lot because they don't have a defensive unit what are we gonna do about it please do not shoot threes like do old-fashioned three-point shooting for me
0: bro like there are times when we just seem like we we take the path of most resistance like <laughs> like they like some- Hannibal with the elephants over the
1: <laughs> Alps like we didn't just take the boats to Italy. We're going to go all the way around and over the mountains. And then we're going to, you know, lose the battle.
0: Like someone's whispering in coach Lang's ear. Like, Hey, like give it down to educate every time. Like that's a great move. Like it, statistically, it's really good. Like he's, he's a big man and he'll catch the ball and be able to finish. And it's just never worked. Like it has very little, yeah. little worked. Like his, I love Edgey K. I we had him on the podcast. He's a great guy, and he he does what he does really well. He's not the type of guy where like he he he's should got like he, every
1: post move in his back pocket.
0: Yeah, or just like we, he is the guy we go to every single offensive possession when we can't get something going.
1: No, he's a pick and roll. He'll grab a rebound and put like an offensive rebound, put it back for us. He'll, you know, be open if Reynolds really penetrates the paint. Like, that's mm. the kind of player, and that's all we need him to be. Yeah. But again, like, are we scheming around that? Like, no, we're
0: not. Well, it seems like we've, we sort of changed to uh, maybe. What we have, though. The, the li- starting yeah, yeah.
1: lineup has changed. Yeah. To yeah. Billy's
0: credit. So. To Billy's credit. Like, Edge can only played 20 minutes last game. So he must be in the doghouse right now.
1: I was talking to a couple guys and they were like, oh, well, we got to, can we bench educate and then like screw over transfers like this? Like, Guys, <laughs> when I was in college, I had my scholarship threatened take to be taken away from, they could, he couldn't take my scholarship away, but he threatened to take it away for poor performance on uh, like, because I ran a poor race. It's like, Fellas, if you can say that to a freshman, I'm sure you can say that to a transfer red shirt student who's been at big time schools. like it's trust me, it's OK to give this guy a little bit of encouragement to play better.
0: Yeah, he understands like he's a very mature. I mean, it's like what at this point? He, he has a very developed prefrontal cortex. He understands the long term decision making in the school. Come on, if.
1: If I, as a sophomore, was told, if you run like that again, don't show up to practice the next day, then I think we can tell to him, like, hey, you're not playing good enough. Like, I'm not going to be scared to tell a guy who's, yeah. you know, a grown man, like, hey, you, you need to improve.
0: He's going to walk away the, with this this whole thing with two master's degrees and, like, free, like, room and board and, like, everything. Like, he, he's, doing, he's doing fine. <laughs> he, I mean – Oh, please come back
1: a- on the show, okay? <laughs> yeah, please, <laughs> I mean, please. He's he's got. turn. I mean, around. look. I come think on. the whole point of this is it's just like what we've been saying. It's like it's okay to critique, but don't take it personally. Like we just, yeah, we want you to do better. We are rooting for everyone to do better. We just right. we just want to win.
0: I, I think we've I think been it's like, a
1: reasonable request.
0: We've been very genuine from the beginning, from that standpoint, where it's just like we we expect so much, but we also. We are we avid, grace. avid supporters.
1: Yeah, we we have grace. We have understanding. But that doesn't mean I'm going to lie and say we're doing great.
0: Yeah, I mean. I
1: can't but, do that. I cannot tell a lie. Yeah. Peter chopped down the cherry tree.
0: <laughs> so.
1: I wish we did. If we had beaten Temple, that would have been a cherry, a cherry tree that we would have chopped down. There we go, the old cherry in white.
0: That would have been nice. I think this podcast would have been a lot different if. If we had beaten oh. Temple.
1: Last year, beating Temple was so much fun. The Temple guys were like, see you later, see you next year. Yeah, we saw them next year. All right, they beat the shit out of us.
0: <laughs> Oof, yeah, it was rough. And uh, So, one thing I've been thinking about, and I I, I hesitate to say this, because I oh. love, all right, all right, let me let me say this first. Love him as a player. He's going to be really good. I did the same thing last year to Cotspur. And you were like, Peter, shut up. He's a freshman. But it feels a little bit like Christian gets the green, the green light for, for basically any shot he wants.
1: Some of those three pointers were a little cringe. <sighs> a little cringe. I agree. Like he went like oh for whatever from the three for a little bit, but he attacked the basket. I, I'm gonna defend Ooh. him. I'm gonna defend him a little bit. He did attack the basket against St. Peter's really well. There's a couple and ones in there that were like very good and his de- his defense is that good like he really can be a steals leader if he if he if he continues this energy
0: it's true um
1: but i understand what you're saying as well like we we need to improve that shot selection
0: right right i just i just feel like as a freshman i'm not even worried about him like making the shots necessarily i'm just worried about like the psychological aspect like should you really just let a freshman do that like, you saw what happened with Cosper last year, where... Bad. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> it, got, it got bad. Like, I think he probably needed some type of therapy this offseason. And I'm wondering, yeah. like, with Christian, I don't know. I, I just I just wonder, from player development standpoint, is that the right move? That's, that's what I've been thinking about.
1: I agree. I, again, a reasonable question to ask, and one that a coach would address. But we'll put it at that. Uh, do we want to go to the mailbag? I think we've covered everything pretty pretty well.
0: Yeah, let's go to the mailbag.
1: Okay, excellent. So this Hawk Talk mailbag is brought to us by Alsham. Uh, um, I miss Alsham. I am, when I'm back in Philly, I will be eating there. And um, fellas, if you're listening to the show, we're looking for sponsors. Hello. We'd love to sponsor the lamb shawarma. That is my favorite. It's still my favorite to this day. And when I go to the St. Joe's Hawk game... Pete, maybe Pete, are you coming? You're not coming to the Philadelphia area anytime soon.
0: I'll be there for the the Slu game on the thirty first
1: of December. Yes. Oh, it's the thirty first.
0: Yeah, I know, I know. Brutal, brutal. But.
1: Okay, I'll I'll try to make it. I, I'm gonna. Have to, <laughs> what time is that game at?
0: It's like eleven a.m. or something like
1: oh, that. Oh, dude, we I wish we could do a meet and greet, not with like oh. Hang out with us, but I feel like it'd be fun to do like something at El Cham. We could get it going. We get Matt Gifford to jump on board on that one.
0: Oh, it's one p.m. Yeah, I mean, come on, N- New Year, new, new St. Joe's. Yeah,
1: go we're front. kicking in the new year. Pork sandwiches <laughs> at the Halal restaurant. Uh okay. let's go oh, back <laughs> before we go down this road. Uh, okay anyway fans if you wanna if you want to do something I think we should do something this is what we said earlier last season what we want something a little more incarnate something in person, something we do together um and it would really galvanize the fan base because that's what this team needs is a little bit more in-person support, especially with the lack of people that go to the games <laughs> okay. Mailbag. Let me check. Uh, Pete, has there any has any mail come in since the two that I have in the write
0: up? No, no, there hasn't. And, okay. And you, wait, wait, Tony. You you bring up a really good point about Alsham. So Saint Joe's basketball doesn't have. Oh, sorry, I don't say it correctly, but they don't have they don't have food sometimes at halftime. Yeah. Uh, Alsham, if you're listening, this is a huge. Like, we need you. We get the lamb spigot going in the stadium. Ooh.
1: I want this smelling like a bazaar, like a you're Middle talking bazaar.
0: <laughs> bang the drum, no, bang the whatever the, the the meat stick, the meat stick. Let's go,
1: come on. Can we wrap a euro into the hot dog firing oh, gun and fire for it? For sure, car?
0: for sure. Oh my gosh, the hawk is flapping his wings for a good purpose. Finally, where was
1: Saint Joseph from? My man was from the middle east we're firing (laughs) euros off into the stands my man was it's the middle eastern he probably ate kosher we're firing off the lamb euros into the (laughs) stand here you get a grape leaf you get a grape leaf you get a grape leaf over here
0: attendance would just peak we'd be back at glory the winds would come next like that would winning would proceed we would be so confused because we'd be like oh is it the talent is it the food which is it
1: I'ma- imagine like at halftime the Middle Eastern music starts to play and they're <laughs> like okay everyone stand up Al Shum is giving out the euros uh, or the shawarmas being fired into the crowd
0: <laughs> I, I don't need to imagine it. it's it is my dreams it is beautiful <laughs> All yeah, right, we, right, can be, let- we can make it happen <laughs> I'll let you get to the mailbag, Tony.
1: Okay. Um, This is from John Yurkowski. Yurkowski. After a terrible, terrible non-conference performance this season by the rest of the Atlantic 10, so the other teams in the A-10, are you still somewhat optimistic, Pete, about SJU and how they can compete in March in the Atlantic 10 tournament? Great question because we were kind of hinting at, like, what would it take to save Lang's job? Right? So kind of talking about the future. So, Pete, I'll repeat that again for you. Even with the rest of the A-10 performing poorly, can we feel confident about the Hawks come March?
0: Um, I mean, I would not use the word confident and the Hawks and March at this moment. There have been stranger things to happen, but I would say quite definitively, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, John. Um I appreciate appreciate the the thought, and I know you've been awesome on spaces, and it's been good to hear your thoughts on things. Um realistically, the A ten isn't that good this year, but there are some teams that are much, much better than us right now. So I'm gonna my answer will be no. And I am a St. Joe's Optimist, so
1: you should change your Twitter handle to Saint Joe's Optimist. Um oh. <laughs> Let, let everyone a, know where you stand
0: there's already hawk and enth- or hawk enthusiasts or whatever so i don't know i don't want to be chose
1: optimist
0: i don't want to be associated with that type of
1: kind of enthusiasm yeah um, that
0: type of enthusiasm yeah
1: i guess i'll have to give an answer i uh i agree with pete <laughs> if anything i'm the one who's more down on the team and i honestly if you asked me if you see me at the game you came up to me and you go hey St. Joe's does, do we keep Billy Lang or are you optimistic? I'd be like, he's done. This is done. There's no way we're saving any of this. So I'm sure I'll be wrong. (laughs) I've been wrong along the way, (laughs) which is unfortunate. I've been right about some things, but wrong about others. And I'm sure that it's very high probability that I could be wrong about this, that I'm calling, like I'm saying that a change is probably going to come and it doesn't because we don't have a president right now. But if I, If I'm being like, I I understand like historical data cannot always be the truth, right? Especially for college basketball, where a lot of variables change. We can't use historical data from a team with players who are no longer on the team to make predictions about the future. But you know what? I'm going to go with the fallacy on this one. And I'm going to say that there's no securing the team, making them better just based off of the historical performance of how they've played in the a 10 last, last year. I was so, and I mentioned this, I was so dissuaded with this team after that run. Like that was those little Sal losses. I was there with the Gola boys watching the game, like bad. So, um, okay. Last question. And we'll wrap up the show. Cause we're at a clean hour right now, but Pete, this is from Spraggan Spraggan's Ray. I had Spraggan's Ray on Twitter. Thoughts on Fleming led slash focused full court press that the Hawks had rolled out in the second half. What are your thoughts on that second half full court press?
0: So I don't know if it was when the Hawks stopped playing man or when they put in my man, Rashir Fleming that the game turned around, but probably Fleming. Uh, yeah. Probably oh, I don't Fleming. Know who, who, who? Probably Fleming. Uh, yeah. Who? Right. Who? Who Who we thought about? Um, yeah. Fleming is the solution uh and that that p- little like full court press that he has going on it is it is great i i love the type of pressure it puts on the the, the offense it really slows them down they get to the front court and, and the half court and they finally have like the the, the shot clock great, greatly diminished diminished we even force like a few uh 10 second violations it's great like i love it and you know going back to john's question if I see Fleming playing 40 minutes come March. Maybe that answer changes. Tony, how do you feel about it?
1: Um, I guess for me, it's more about like the defensive intensity of the entire team. Um, It's something that I've complained about for a couple weeks now. And I've tweeted, I've texted you this, Pete, like one-on-one where I'm just like, dude, these guys don't care. <laughs> like, It bothers me. So Fleming is the only one when I watch, I go, this guy knows exactly the right decision to make. I hope that I don't have to say that about the rest of the team. I want them to ultimately make the right decision, but they're not. And so uh, I think a lot of it is when Fleming's on the court, the rest of the guys get inspired, which is great. Excellent guys. Keep it up. Um, but when he's not on the court, we've seen that, that, that Lynn Greer, Eric Reynolds, where they like slumping, they're slumping their shoulders or their, their turnovers are looking bad, just like fairly against fairly Dickinson. And you're just like, oh my gosh, like this is going to unravel and we're not coming back. So I think a lot of it has to do with one. I'm glad that we've made changes to the starting roster. Please continue to make adjustments. Please continue to attack the paint. And please continue to use Rashir Fleming because he is a – him and Christian Winborn can generate turnovers. And they also know how to finish at the other end um, to some degree where I feel confident about them. And and also we've gone the whole episode without mentioning about Cameron Brown. Shout out Cam. He's played very well over these last couple of games. We really need him to continue to step it up as well. But I think the, the, the focus needs to be on Fleming going forward. So.
0: All right. I, th- I think Tony touched upon all the points. Uh, it's been a great episode. We will be definitely ramping up in our content here as we head into the end of uh, non-conference. Non-conference, play. yeah into conference play um if we do not enter conference play at 500 this, there's going to be some really crazy podcasts coming hopefully that's not the case we should have some uh fun guests coming soon too We've got the holy war uh coming soon it's you know it's it's basketball season ladies and gentlemen like this is enjoy it uh we might not be very good right now but you know enjoy the enjoy the process really enjoy the, watching our players uh thanks for listening and as always the hawk will never die